Tama Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your Tilo, Lorenzo, my kid, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you, sweetie? I'm going crazy. I don't know what it is, but it's... it's I think it's what I said me. this morning on, on Twitter. I, I, I really think we're both sort of... I think a lot of people are, but... Um, for us, March thirteenth is our COVID versary. It's the day we stick, you know, shut the front door and never opened it again. Uh, and so we're coming up on a one year anniversary, right. and I, it's just hard. As I said on Twitter this morning, I was like, I don't like to think about this too much because the weight of being right. inside. I, I refuse just, to 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 think too much about it and and let that you know dictate how I'm going to feel for this year. No, um, no, I'm 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 establishing goals. I'm I'm trying to. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to like you know establishing goals and 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 do things you know try to have a normal life as much as I can. I mean I just no can't I have agree. I totally agree with that. Of, uh, you know inside the apartment all the time not doing my things. But I just feel like this is an explanation as for why we're both feeling so anti and a little right, 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 right. A little down this week is because we're coming up on that anniversary, and it's very hard not to think about what you were doing a year ago at this time. And a year ago at this time, we were weeks away from our book launch. So we were so excited for that. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's just a little mm, downtime. Anyway, it's yeah, sunny. Lorenzo doesn't want to talk not, about that. No, not really. Yeah, but it's sunny and nice outside, even though okay. we still have snow on the ground. Paper over our feelings. Yes, but it's beautiful. <laughs> and I'm, well, you know, it's just, just, yeah. Okay. Right. New Horizon. New Horizon. <laughs> yeah, we're still going to be stuck inside for the next four months, but whatevs. I know. I'm here waiting for my vaccine. Hello. All right. So we have two topics to talk about this morning. The first one, it's more like a check it off the list, which is the Golden Globes nominations came out yesterday. Right. And as per the usual, when Golden Globes nominate, well, I mean, when any award season nominations come out for film or television, the conversation always turns towards who got snubbed. Right. Uh, and I do think, for instance, you tend to hear about Golden Globe snubs mm-hmm. uh, way more, more than yeah. you hear about, say, Grammys snubs or Tony snubs or even, I mean, there's a whole industry that talks about Oscar snubs, but the Golden Globes covers film and television. So there's an opportunity to just go wild, but making comparisons. Like, for instance, and we'll get into everything. But for instance, pretty uh, promising young woman, pretty young woman, promising young woman was nominated several times over, uh, and I may destroy you. Got no nominations. One is a rape revenge story uh, featuring a white woman. That's the one that got the nominations, and the other one is similarly themed, um, but it centers the experience and voice of a black woman. Now. That's a very good comparison, but you wouldn't be able to make that comparison with the Oscars because one is a TV show and the other one's a movie. Um, right. So Golden Globes tends to afford you all of these opportunities to really, really play up how bad. And before we get into everything, I just want to say it's my first impulse has always been. And I mean, this goes way back with me long before I was some sort of cultural commentator, but. I have always said, you know, people should not get worked up over these things because they they are not indicators of quality. They are uh, largely, and this includes the Oscars, they are largely um, popularity contests that are fueled by publicists. That is all true, but that doesn't help Michaela Cole. 
or the people who is the writer and actress and, creator, and producer actually, and yeah. creator of I May Destroy You. And it, you know, and all the, or Defy Bloods or, or, or the various thing that got snubbed yesterday. It's, I can sit here in my white male privilege and say, oh, poo poo, it doesn't even matter. It matters. It makes differences in people's careers. It makes differences in people's asking price, like actors can suddenly up right, their asking right. price. So culturally, uh, you can say this this sort of thing doesn't matter. It's just a popularity contest, and that's true. But when you look at it as an industry award, it matters. It matters to people. It's going to make a huge difference. Maria Bakalova from the Barat movie. Right. She right. got nominated. That is going to make an enormous difference to that girl's life. Enormous difference. I, yeah, because a lot of people, you know, before this movie would go like, who is she? And now they know who she is. Right. That makes a huge difference. And when we get a nomination, then yeah, even more. Uh, it's still, I mean, we, I know we have social media, especially with social media and everything now. I mean, people do hear about a movie and they go see a movie because they heard about it, or at least they, they look for it, um, because they heard about it. I mean, it's still, uh, if you're nominated, if people talk about your movie, your performance, you know, it's a big deal. Um, it is, uh, yes. And Golden Globes, they are famous for nominating people who are more famous or i don't know it's a very public of yeah. all of them of all of the major acting awards um golden globes is most publicist fueled right. um and i'm gonna get into a little bit of why that is the case and why you should keep your expectations low even as you even as i acknowledge that um it's a problem for for the industry and 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 for the culture when um, routinely uh, marginalized voices, uh, creators of color constantly get shut out of these awards, which is some heady stuff. And I just want to give a preview that after we're done talking about the Golden Globes, we're going to talk a little bit about um, everyone's favorite second daughter, Ella M. Hoff. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about her new modeling contract and... Uh, you know, wh why we wish her well, but it sort of makes us look at things because a little Because we talked about eye. it on, on Twitter, and it was a big discussion. And it will, you know, how <laughs> things go on Twitter. But it's also anyway. our, um, it intersects with our areas of expertise. Right, it, Whenever fashion intersects yeah. with politics, it's like, all right, now we can talk about politics. But before we do any of that, I want to tell you how delicious my meals have been this yes, week. Yes, thanks yes, yes. to every plate. Uh, um Every plate, you can experience full plates and fuller wallets with America's Best Value Meal Kit. Get meals you'll enjoy and your bank account will love delivered right to your door, contact free, just like we did last week. Think of it this way, one meal from every plate is the same price as one cup of coffee. Every plate dinners are the less expensive and more fulfilling alternative to take elder delivery. There's more bang for your buck. And getting dinner on the table daily used to be such a challenge, but now every plate can plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a delightful price. Um, uh, we've talked about every plate before. We love them. We've used them many, many times. And what's great about them, if you follow us, you know that I am somewhat of an amateur cook. I like to cook at home oh, and everything. you're a great cook. Come on. I'm still an amateur. I'm not yeah, a professional. True, Thank you. You do a fantastic job. Um, but uh, even I, even people who are rather adept at the kitchen, uh, I love it. I love that all of this is laid out for me, that I don't have to plan a menu, that I don't have to look for goofy little ingredients. It's all there. Right. Um, and even someone like me who likes to cook and is pretty good at cooking, I really appreciate that you get these menu items 
that I, you know, I probably wouldn't have done mm-hmm. on my own. There, I had these incredible fig pork chops last week from every plate, which were just amazing. And I was like, you know, I probably would never make right. this sort of thing and, for and, myself. And, and as someone who doesn't cook but buy the ingredients for you, I remember buying big jars of things just to make one meal. Yes. And what I love about every plate is that you get the exact amount you need for something. So yeah. you don't have to waste a lot of so money. So there isn't buying. some goofy yeah. spice sitting in the back of your cabinet for four years because you, you used it once. Or that you have to buy that, st- that, that spice and then they only have the big jar and you you know, you know end up buying the big jar that you're never going to use again. Yeah. Uh, they're just really, really helpful. And especially now when we're all at home, when things like shopping are so fraught with uh, True. you know anxiety and everything, it's nice to have this stuff delivered. And that you can have like a restaurant quality meal at home for a mm. fraction. Like like many of us, we've been, you know, relying, not relying on, but falling back on takeout delivery uh, quite a bit in the last year because of the way things are. But that is so expensive. Right. Ordering, you know, full meals delivered to your front door prepared by someone else is really expensive. But just with something like every plate, you can do it yourself for a fraction of the price. So we love every plate. So try every plate for just $1.99 per meal plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering code TLO199. That's E V E R Y P L A T E dot com. And enter code TLO199 for $199 per meal, plus an additional additional 20% off your next two boxes. Can't beat that with a stick. So, thank you, EveryPlate. And now we're going to move on to the Golden Globes. Yes. So, um... Well, we're just going to talk in general um, Yep, about the uh, nominations. And we'll start with the motion... I mean, with the uh, movies first. Uh, best motion picture. Are we doing all of them? I just want to talk in general the ones I liked and so on. Okay. Um, um, I'm very happy for Promising Young Woman. I think it's one of the best movies of 2020. Yes. Um, really loved it. Uh, very, I mean, the direction, I mean, it was beautifully directed, uh, by, what's her name? Emerald, uh, Fennel, right? Uh, beautiful, beautiful movie. Uh, thought-provoking and and everything. A beautiful performance by Carolyn Mulligan. So I I was very happy uh, that it got nominated. Uh, Also, Nomadland, uh, it's a beautiful, very slow movie, but beautiful movie. Uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7, loved it. Didn't know anything about it. I knew very little about the story. And it's really an interesting movie. Uh, Again, really well-directed. Really well, uh, I mean, just well put together, I thought. Right. Um, uh, Mank, I appreciate the art of it, but I just don't see that movie as something as as it entertaining or or I don't know as interesting as the other one. It was a great movie, but I was bored, and I'm usually never bored. Um, you know, with any with with a movie or a TV show. So that was that in terms of, but I'm excited about a lot of women being, uh, the women uh, being nominated for, for a director, right? Uh, yes. We talked about that. Um, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland and Emerald Fennell for Your Promising Young Woman and Regina King. Right. Who didn't get a Best Motion Picture Drama, but she was, I think, a Best Director. Yes, Best Director. Uh, they all got nominated, and that's good. And yes. I, I shouldn't, I don't want to make the, um, the, uh, 
point that nobody of color got nominated for anything. I mean, Chadwick Boseman got nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Viola Davis got nominated for the same. Andra Day got nominated. Uh, Riz Ahmed got nominated. Um, but yeah, there were no other, aside from Viola Davis, I don't think there were any black actresses. Uh, I'm just scrolling through here. Oh, that's Andrea. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya got nominated and um, Day. John Boyega got, yeah, I mentioned. So I don't want to give the impression that it was a fully white across the board. I mean, I, I think it's great that Regina King got nominated. I think it's great that, you know, John Boyega got nominated. But, um, you know, it's a little crazy that something like Emily in Paris got nominated. People were we'll all up to, in arms over yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get to TV shows, I guess. Uh, oh, later. okay. Yeah, what we'll, did you want to say? No, just in general, we're talking about movies, the movie part in general, you know. Um, so happy for some... I mean, Viola Davis is amazing. I mean, the movie... I didn't think the movie was that great. Uh, not much of a story. I mean, it was a short story to me. Um but Viola Davis is just phenomenal. And so happy for her. Uh, who else? There's so many great people. Uh, I'm just thinking about the ones that, you know, I, I still think about. Right. Uh, in terms of performances and, and so on. Um, people are talking about, uh, who, what else? Um, Minari, the yes. uh, American film starring, uh, uh, what's his name? Stephen Young from... Um the Walking Dead about a a, Korea, a family of Korean immigrants in America. The big, yes, the yes. big uh, scandal there was that they listed it under Best Motion Picture Foreign Language, but it's an American production, and you know, just because people are speaking another language in it does not necessarily, you know, it's a right, weird right. thing because. Uh, how do you define what's a foreign language? You know what I mean? Like what right. uh, people in there are entire communities of, of Korean people who in America who are Americans who speak Korean when they're with each other. They're all, all that's the immigrant experience in America. Right. Uh, uh, so it that was met with a lot of pushback. Uh, and all I, I just want to return to my point because I don't know. I know you want to talk about specific films, but I don't really have my headspace there i'm just looking at it in a bigger in a bigger way not in a bigger way but in a broader way uh the, my i just want to return to the point that the hollywood foreign press association number one they're not critics uh number two even more importantly they're not practitioners like you know at least the oscars and the sag awards get uh -huh. voted on by people in the industry who do those jobs uh the critics choice awards and you know various other forms of awards are are um are voted on by people whose job it is to critique film and, and television and acting and all that stuff. So there's a little bit more of an informed idea mm -hmm. behind nominations that come from people who either With more experience, spend right? their life critiquing this work or they spend their life producing this work. But the Golden Globes are produced by journalists. The people who do the nominations are journalists. And it's a very, very small governing body. I think it's less than 100 people make those nominations and votes. Really? And wow. they, like, I don't mean to put down journalists. I was going to say, like, all journalists, but that's not true. Removing that part, uh, some journalists, it's very easy. And I speak, I say this as someone who, um, I don't consider myself a journalist, but our job is journalistic in tone. Um you are flooded every day with publicists and PR stuff all mm -hmm. day long. Anybody right. who writes about culture 
is flooded with that stuff. If you've ever written us an email and it took us a long time to get back to you, it's because for every one email that's personal from someone who reads us, there's literally 500 emails oh, yeah. that uh-huh. get trash. We trash 350 emails every morning. Like it, yeah. It's insane how much crap we get. Right. Um, and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is ex- is known for being extremely susceptible to schmoozing, to gifts, to um, exclusives, to all kinds of stuff that they then turn around and reward uh, various publicist clients with, um, with, with these nominations. I mean, I don't want to cast aspersions too much, but like... Kate Hudson got a nomination. I know. You know what I mean? Like, I know. And to, to jump over to the TV side, Emily in Paris. Like, these are not... I, actually, I can't speak to Kate Hudson at all because I haven't seen the movie, but I mean... It's Kate Hudson. She's not... Yeah. I no. mean, her, her body of work sort of speaks to a certain level, and I don't know. I would be surprised if... Well... I, she may, Maybe she'll surprise me. Right. Don't yell at me, Kate Hudson fans. So, on Twitter, especially, people were mad that <coughs> Meryl Streep didn't get a nomination. Silly, uh, silly. That was a dumbass... Mo- the prom? Come on. I know. And James... Uh, I James guess because, Corden did. Yeah, I guess that's why they were upset. Uh, but... It's a silly movie. It was a silly movie. But there's a prime example. James Corden is yeah, the biggest right. schmoozer in Hollywood. Right, he is right. almost gross in how much ass he kisses in front of people. Uh, Meryl is infamous for not doing that sort of thing. And uh, also, I think James Corden's character was just... We did a piece on him. We did a, a podcast about mm-hmm. straight actors playing gay. And, you know, he was this sad, weepy gay who hugged his mom at the end of the story. And, it, you know, whatever. Um but it is the kind of role that, oh, people just love to reward. It's so right, right. brave when a straight man plays gay or a pretty woman takes just, off her I'm makeup or whatever. Yeah, I'm always surprised with the nominations in general. Like Glenn Close. I mean, I love her, but that was... You a, knew that was getting nominated, It was though. a horrible movie, and she was just... Okay. I mean, it was just crazy that I, I read these nominations. Don't rule out that she might get an Oscar nomination for that. True. Don't um, rule that out. I mean, I'm just saying... In terms of television, uh-huh. um, a lot of people were mad that uh, people like um, the cast of uh, Lovecraft. Lovecraft Country, yeah. none of the cast members of Lovecraft, like Journey Smollett, wasn't uh, nominated. And I I agree with that. The funny thing about um, Lovecraft Country is I feel like the further people get away from it, the more critical the people are about it. At the time, it was very difficult to be critical about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I, I when I was when we were doing reviews of the episodes, it was very difficult for us to navigate those waters as you know white uh, critics critiquing the work of black artists. Um, but. And one of the points I really wanted to say about Lovecraft Country back in the day, but I didn't feel it was my place to say, was that one of the off-putting things about Lovecraft Country was that, yes, it centered black lives, it centered black experiences, it put black people in the midst of stories in which they were not uh, traditionally allowed to appear, like in the midst of, you know, sci-fi adventure stories and you know, Cthulhu, you know, Lovecraftian stories and horror stories and stuff like that. And all of that was great. But by the end of it, I couldn't shake the idea that, boy, this show is really obsessed with black trauma and not with navigating black trauma, but with depicting it. Um, just a lot of dead and mutilated characters by you got by the time you got to the end of that. Uh, or Yeah, by the time you got to the end of that season. And I feel like 
that critical undercurrent may have had something to do with what, although these, like I said, the H, the Hollywood Farm Press Association, Association are not critics. So I don't know. I'm not trying to justify that, but I didn't feel the Lovecraft things were quite the snub that other people were making it out to be. Michaela Cole and I May Destroy You, yeah, that's a snub. Right. That was, um, I never finished it, I have to admit. It was actually really hard to watch, um, but it was hard to watch in a good way. Um, and she is a really, really she sharp, uh-huh. sharp creator and actress who I feel like she's one of those people who who really understands the world we live in now mm-hmm. and and tries to depict that world instead of some idealized version of what right now is about. She's just very clear eyed in her in her view, I think. She has a very unique way of telling a story. Um and can and she can be funny. She can be you know very deep. And um, I I still love what is it chewing gum. Um, yeah, great, great show. Directed, created, and you know starred by her. She's phenomenal. Um, back to television. I mean, Ratchet. Seriously, Ratchet got I yeah mean, nominated. Cynthia Nixon example. got nominated for an acting. Are you kidding? No, me? no, that was one of the worst shows of the last I year. I know. I know. Uh, you know, God bless her. I love. Julia Garner, and I know she's good, and I'm, but I'm really tired of the Ozark uh, nominations just every <laughs> single year. There goes I it. Know. Same thing with, I mean, maybe I'm, I knew Gillian Anderson was going to get nominated. I said it the first time we saw that screener of her. I was like, oh, in The Crown as Margaret Thatcher. I was like, this is going to be a really controversial performance because she's doing some very strange things. Right. But it was so cohesive. Whether or not you agree that that, performance reminded you of the actual Margaret Thatcher, it was a fully realized human being. That she, mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was down to her fingertips. She acted with every part of her body and every part of her face. Now, some people thought it was gimmicky and showy, and I won't deny that there were scenes where her her choices sort of overwhelmed the scene, where you couldn't get away from what she was doing with her face. Like, right. you weren't even paying attention to what was going on because you're like, what the hell is Jillian doing with her face? But I knew she was going to get nominated because that's the kind of thing that gets nominated. Did Helena Bonham Carter need a nomination? Not really. Olivia Coleman? Not really. And I love them. Yeah. And they are fantastic actresses. But I do not think The Crown represents their best work. Um, no. Um, and it, it's funny because we talk about Gillian Anderson and, and that we were like, oh, I don't know. Oh, my God, the accent and everything. Uh, we're going to have a post today. Uh, uh, she did an interview for uh, InStyle Magazine, and she talks about creating the character, uh, developing the character, the voice and everything. So you get a better understanding uh, of how she came up with all that stuff, whether you agree with, you know, with her choices or not. But as you said, it is, it is a character. She created something, right. and, you know, and she stuck to it <laughs> until the end. A yeah. um, uh, lot of nominations for Schitt's Creek, uh, which I, yeah. I guess. I, guess, I mean, yeah. I know they were ignored for a long time, um, but I also feel like um, this is probably... A little too late. Blasphemy. No, I don't... I loved... Shit's Creek. It was not a perfect television show by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there were, I won't even lie. I, I loved that show. I, I'm pretty sure there's five or six episodes I never saw because I skipped right past them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, was, it was an okay show with a spectacular core cast. That's the thing. Right. The uh, f- 
five people, because I'm going to include Stevie, not just the Rose family, but Stevie as the main characters. The five people at the core of that cast were so freaking good with each other. I mean, it helped that they were a lot of them were related or had known each other for 40 years, but um, they were excellent with each other, and it's kind of hard to, I guess, for, for people to let go of how good that cast was. But I, I honestly don't think Shit's Creek was... Mm-hmm some fantastically scripted show it had its moments i laughed at certain times i even cried at certain other times but there were long stretches where i would sit there stone-faced and be and just Uh, wait for the next episode uh, i'm sure people are gonna disagree with us of course but yeah some parts of the script uh and every now and then i was like wow this is it's repet it was very repetitive right but but the show felt like a low budget type of, of show, you know, that became very popular. Mm-hmm. And I, what I love about those shows is that people give everything they have mm-hmm. uh, in terms of you know <coughs> their their skills, whatever it is, creating the show, performing, and everything. So everyone gives their best, and and the show takes off. I think that's what happened uh, with Shit's Creek, and I loved it. Loved the show. Watch it. I did. Episode. I loved it, um, but I didn't think it was perfect. No, I thought. They were all amazing, uh, but it wasn't perfect. I all agree. four of the major cast members got Emmys last year, and I feel like that is exactly what they deserved, all of them. Right. Uh, so, fine, okay. I don't care either way, honestly, about about whether or not they win Golden Globes. The series is over. The series got the highest form of awards recognition that it could have gotten, and I feel like that's good enough. You know, if if... Catherine O'Hara doesn't win this year. I don't think I'm going to be all that upset. Right. Okay. If she lo- loses to Lily Collins for Emily in Paris, <laughs> I may burn down Hollywood. Um, very happy for the Queen's Gambit. Oh, my God. I'm very happy. It's a fantastic show. Um, Why are you happy? What was it nominated for? Uh, it was nominated for Best Performance by an Actress so uh, and Best uh, Show, wasn't it? Best uh, Television Limited Series, Anthology yes. Series, or Motion Picture Made for Television. And Actress. Or, you know, yeah. The Gorgeous Amazing. Anya Taylor-Joy Anya was Taylor nominated Joy, yeah. in the same category. In that category is Kate Blanchett, who was almost certainly going to win it. And not in that category, and who should have been in it, was probably Uzo Aduba, yes. also for Mrs. People America. People were talking about that, that, you know, Kate got nominated and Uzo didn't. And and Uzo won, uh, 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 what did she win? An Emmy? She won an Emmy. Yeah, for it. Yes. Yeah, so it, it's a little weird. That's weird. Nicole yeah. Kidman for The Undoing? I no. Know, the Undoing? No. All these nominations? She fully deserved her Emmy win for Big Little Lies. She was great in the first season of that. And I enjoyed parts of The Undoing just for being trashy, mm-hmm. you know, melodrama about rich people. But uh, that was not an award-winning performance. And I think they just, you know... That's the thing with these movie star actresses coming in and doing television, like Nicole, like Kate Blanchett. They do it because they're going to get awards recognition, whether the work is good right. or not. Like they, uh, and that's the other thing about the Golden Globes. They're infamous for nominating people so that they ha- can have as many A-list stars as possible sitting there on awards night. Yes, now, yes, granted, yes. they're not going to have that this time because it's going to be virtual, but you... Something like the Hollywood Foreign Press Association would uh, automatically have Kate Blanchett and Nicole Kidman uh, nominations because they want of them course. to show up yeah, on their yeah. red carpet, or in this case, on their virtual red carpet. So, mm, no. I, I don't think either... I, I, actually, Kate Blanchett, if she won it, I wouldn't be mad because she really was very, very good in that role. 
Um, I know a lot of people love Daisy Edgar Jones and Normal People, who was also nominated, and Shira Haas, who you loved in Unorthodox. Oh my God, yes, yes. So I don't know, but I think it's probably Kate Blanchett's to lose. Oh, yeah. But unorthodox was absolutely phenomenal and i'm very happy for her i i know her for from other shows uh, you know uh and tv series and stuff so i knew her work before she became famous um and she's amazing so right. i'm happy for the nomination sometimes i'm just happy for the <laughs> nomination i know it sounds like you know cheesy to say but it's true i think just getting the nomination it's a big thing uh, you know it's a which big is deal. why it's imp- it's a big thing when yes. people don't get nominated yes exactly exactly um, it's just like can't you just nominate this person you know you know he or she's not going to win but um it's at least it's a way to it's not about it's a checking off yeah, right. like did you nominate enough black people this year did you nominate i mean i'm sure for some people it is about that and i'm not even going to critique that there are entire um uh, watch groups there are even activists who have based their activism around checking off these lists mm-hmm. when you look at the nominations like i said they're not it's not all white people that's not the issue it's that it's in some case in a lot of cases it's um favoring very mediocre perform- work by white people over uh excellent genre busting work by people of color like Sarah Paulson, I love her to death, but she did not need to be nominated for Ratchet. You know and, what I mean? Right. And, uh, and Jodie Comer, love her too, but Killing Eve has gotten progressively yes, worse yes. with each season, yes. and it's already received a lot of award recognition. Don't really feel like she needed it either. Um, it's just a, that's the part I think that really sticks in people's craw. Uh, it's not just oh, you didn't nominate enough black people. It's or or Asian people or Middle Eastern people. I mean, you know, or Latinos. It's that you you elevate so much bland works that is, you know, the work of white people. Uh, that's the part that I think is is the most um, damning part of it. Like, again, best. Per- I'm just scrolling through Al Pacino in that terrible, terrible TV show Hunters about Nazi hunters. What? He was awful <laughs> in that. But he's Al Pacino. So he gets a nomination. Um, whatever. I'm, I'm uh, also happy for the great. I thought. El Fanny was was good. Yeah, and Nicholas uh, Holt. Yes, I thought they were good. So some nominations, I'm you know like I'm, I've never watched The Flight Attendant. Now I wish I had because you know we got all some the critics loved it. I yeah. I I've never watched it. I, I have to, to get over it. my Kelly Cuoco thing, but I <laughs> I do. I have to get over it. <laughs> but apparently the costumes are amazing. I have to watch. I can't believe I haven't watched it yet. And yeah. I'm, I'm and I love shows about airplanes and and you know airports and airline companies because I used to work for one of them. So I. Yeah, I do want to. I have to watch the show. Also, uh, your favorite Dutch actor is in it. Which one? Uh, the one that was in Game of Thrones and Michelle Huseman. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. the really gorgeous guy. Oh, oh you have no idea who no, I'm talking I'm about. Who? What nomination? What? Tell me. He he wasn't nominated. He was in the flight attendant. Oh yes, now I know who he is. Yes, I have to watch the show. Yes, 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 yes. I I'm really have pulling to up it. his picture right now. Oh my god! Oh, it's uh, what's his name? Mikael Huisman. However, you mean that name I just said to you? Oh my god, he is gorgeous. Anyway, I, I love it. Um, I have to watch the flight attendant now. Then um, I heard the costumes are amazing. She has these beautiful coats. Uh, I can't believe I haven't watched it yet. Anyway, I'll let you guys know what I think about it. Um, but that's that. Um, it's a mix. Back, I, I don't know. You know, some great nominations, but then some like what? 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 You know, what are they thinking? But and I think you get more of that, as you said, with the Golden Globes, any any other, uh, you know, award. I agree. Um, 
But excited to see these people wearing some beautiful stuff. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't <laughs> well, know. They still pose now for for on some Instagram. of them. Will, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, at least we'll get those pictures. Um, because I know that their stylists, you know, they want those pictures because it's the only way they can show their work. Um, but that's that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll uh, see how it goes. Yeah. Um, next, I wanted to talk about uh, shifting gears a little bit. We're going to move away from TV and film and talk and go back to fashion, our one true love, and how it intersects with politics. Um we talked a bit a couple uh, weeks ago about the fashion at the Biden inauguration and mm-hmm. how it was surprisingly fashion heavy as the scene was surprisingly fashion heavy. I mean, that's if you invite JLo and Lady Gaga, that's half the battle right there. But the Biden family actually came out in some surprisingly strong looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Emhoff family also came out, uh, Doug Emhoff, Kamala Harris's husband and his and her two stepchildren. Um, Ella Amhoff, the second daughter, made a huge, huge splash on social media. She came out in this, it's Mew Mew, right? Mew Mew, yes. This Mew Mew crystal embellished coat, um, which everybody just couldn't stop talking about. And um, so, and we even said, we were like, oh, fashion icon. We got, I didn't even tell you this, that tweet got so quoted, like internationally <laughs> quoted, because I wrote, uh, like, you guys don't know this. We, like, if you do a search on our names, like, uh, every week, 90% of what comes up is an article based on something we tweeted. Now, it's not based entirely around us, although sometimes it is. It's, this is a form of journalism now where they come up with a concept and then they scour Twitter to find. So, so there were these pieces about Ella Emhoff um, and how she became this instant fashion icon. And all, like 30 of them quoted this one tweet where I wrote, she did in one appearance what Ivanka couldn't in four years. And it's actually uh, Google what Ivanka couldn't because it's actually the headline. <laughs> On a whole bunch, I'm like, I can't even believe we didn't get a ton of like conservatives screaming for our heads to come off. <laughs> but anyway, we loved her. Uh, we thought she had a great style. We loved what she did. Now, a week after the inauguration, she signed with IMG Models, which is basically the largest modeling agency in the world. It's it's big deal modeling. You don't get tiny little contracts when you sign with IMG. Not just modeling, but also talent in general. So, yes. which is a big thing. I mean, they pretty much get you and they're going to make you a star. That's the whole uh, IMG, uh, IMG uh, philosophy is that they, they find people that they see potential, you know, they see all these potential and they transform them into megastars. Yeah. Um, that's what they do. And that's why it's a big deal. I mean, they, re- I mean, we have Giselle in terms of models. We, they, they, uh, Giselle is represented, uh, by them. Um, they represent Giselle. The Hadid's, Hadid's, uh, the Gigi Hadid, uh, Alec Weck, that very famous, uh, African, uh, model. Um, um, so a lot, a lot of, uh, of, of, of big, big, big names. So it is a big deal. Um, the funny thing about the whole thing is that, I, and I kind of saw that coming. I'll just explain why. You guys you know, know about the feature that we have, the yay or nay post. And we actually feature, before all that happened, 
um, one of the, a, a jacket, a similar jacket that had crystal embellishments on the show. And I, we did a post as a yay or nay and you guys voted and so on. So I'm sure that Ari, at least our readers, when they saw pictures of, of her wearing that coat, they probably knew, oh my God, this looks like a Mew Mew that, you know, Tom Lorenzo posted. So you right. could ID. That's how I did. I was watching TV. I was like, oh my God, this looks like a Mew Mew. The, the interesting thing about it is that I never mentioned this before, but is that I we usually talk about it. I post on Twitter, and I I, I usually look for the uh, for the lookbook picture, or I go to their sites and see if they're selling the coat or whatever. It's very interesting because you can't find that coat anywhere. You can't find that coat on Mew Mew sites anywhere, which means that that's probably a piece. I could be wrong, but that's probably a piece that Mew Mew produced because the diners do that. Houses do that. They they produce a lot of stuff that never gets shown or or manufactured. So that's probably a, a piece that Mew Mew did, and her and some her stylist or somebody in charge of dressing them got that coat. So it is a big deal. So the whole thing just started big. <laughs> just I'm... started being big representation here, big promotion here from the get go. And, and so I knew, I knew things were going to explode when she showed up because yeah, it's a, it was a great look for her, very well put together, beautifully styled for her. Um, now when she when it was announced that she had signed with IMG, uh, we I tweeted something that uh, you know a bunch of conservative actually I, no I'm sorry it wasn't conservatives at all it was all these hashtag resistance Biden supporter Kamala Harris supporters who came down on me like a ton of bricks because all I said was, I'm happy for her, but I don't love this. Um, and let me explain. Like, because uh, everyone came flying back. Uh, have you, were you asleep the last four years? Ivanka Trump, blah, 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 and I'm just, yeah, okay. So the Trumps were really, really corrupt. And that means that all bets are off for everybody else. I mean, that... You're get, you're basically ceding the victory to the Trumps then if you if you decide that well now no one has to be you know uh, above board, but let me let me just say here I don't feel that this is necessarily like corruption corruption I just don't love the optics of it it's the same thing uh, of Hunter Biden, which just announced today that his memoir is coming out. And I don't doubt, I mean, I don't think his book advance looked anything like the one we got. No. I'm pretty sure his book advance was freaking enormous. And I'm sure the book will sell really well. Just as with Ella Emhoff, I'm sure whoever snags her for a campaign will get great benefit because they're using Ella Emhoff. Because, and not just because she's Kamala Harris's stepdaughter, but because she's got great personal style. She's a fashion designer herself. Uh, she photographs really well. Um, and she has a different look. And she's got, yeah, she's got this sort of intense look that, you know, mm -hmm. is, isn't just focused on being, you know, pretty, pretty. It's, you know, she's got this sort of alternative look thing that's going on. I don't feel that she's not qualified to, to be a model, just as I don't feel that there's anything wrong with Hunter Biden publishing his memoir, especially since um, if anybody deserves a chance to tell their own story after uh, two years of the press trying to tell his story for him, that's fine. I just am uneasy with all of this stuff coming, this very lucrative stuff coming from members, family members of the administration within weeks of that inauguration. It's like, could, couldn't you guys have just, 
you know, how about we pass a COVID relief before I start hearing about this sort of, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that bothers me. It's like, it's so early. The administration has barely accomplished anything yet because, you know, it is so early. So it just, I don't think it looks great that people are cashing in r- right now. Um, now, I don't think, I don't know that Hunter Biden had any control over when that announcement was going to come out, just as I don't, I don't think Ella Emhoff should have said no to the offer from right. IMG. Well, that's the other thing I'm going to talk about. Go ahead. You the jump The thing in. is that I, I'm old school in terms of fashion. I, I still believe in, in finding models that are talented. <laughs> um, that's why I disagree with choosing people like the, all these kids, you know, um, daughters and sons of famous people right uh or someone like Kendall uh jenner i i hate that type of thing right because you're just picking these kids because they're famous it doesn't matter if they're talented and if you look at 99 percent of the pictures taken of Kendall are trash are horrible they look like anything they look like anybody else um so there's nothing there to promote her as the supermodel except her name her famous name are you so, talking about Ella? No, Ken. I'm, I'm, I'm starting with Ken oh, okay. and explain how how the industry is now. Uh, it's all based. It's it's uh, Kate Moss's daughter now is a model. Like right. it's all these daughters and sons. Uh, models is now something that is uh, passed along uh, hereditary right. line. So, it's like or, this matrilineal thing. Or if you're just very famous like Kendall Jenner. So right. Um, I hate that because these people are not talented. Uh, quite frankly, they don't even have a great look. Uh, sometimes they're, you know, they're pretty people, but, but to me, a model has to be more than, than pretty. She or he has to have a look that will make you stop and look at, at them. Um, anyway, so, but here's, uh, and then, so when that was announced, uh, same thing, Amanda Gorman got a, got a, that doesn't bother me. but my point is that you're just going for the famous people, the fa- the people that everyone is talking about. Amanda Gorman was the uh, poet right. at the inauguration she also, who wore that stunning yellow Prada coat. Right. And I get it. I get both with Ella and Amanda. They produced these fashion moments where everyone was like, oh, my God, who is this person? And what is she wearing? And, of course, the modeling industry and the fashion industry perk up whenever, whenever something like that happens. Um, when it comes to Amanda Gorman, I'm like, well, whatever. She's not a member of the administration, so I right, don't really right. care. Uh, I do think it's a little off-putting that a presidential inauguration launched two modeling careers. Uh, I just think that's a weird place to go scouting for models, even though it was this big fashion moment. Go ahead. What? I go back and forth on the thing. I, I, I do think it's great that you have someone like... Um, Amanda Gorman, another she's an African American woman, so it's nice to have someone who isn't white, you know, getting that type of promotion. And if she gets a couple of campaigns, then you have an African American woman, you know, on the cover of great magazines. So that is nice. But again, um, you you're a poet and you have all your career as someone who writes. Uh, it, I don't know. It's it's a little. Mm. I don't care about it. I, anyway. I mean, that doesn't bother me because she's not. She's free to do what she wants. Right. Ella Emhoff is free to do what she wants, but she is the vice president's stepdaughter. And people kind of got annoyed with me for alluding to this, but she would not have signed with IMG this month if she wasn't right. Kamala well, that, Harris's that, stepdaughter. That's very- like, that's the bottom line. Yeah, she could be a great model. 
Uh, she certainly got the build for it. She's got the look for it. She loves fashion. She photographs. She takes really good photographs. I don't, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve to be a model, but there is no denying that this opportunity came her way entirely because she is Kamala Harris's stepdaughter. Like, I, I, a couple people online were like, well, you know, on Twitter were arguing and saying, well, you know, she used to do some modeling beforehand. So she just merely switched agencies. And I'm true. like, no, she yeah. did some, you know, storefront modeling, yeah. uh, you know, little, uh, you know, Instagram style modeling. This is signing with the biggest agency in the world. This is, this is this not is someone, a lateral move. This is someone you knew nothing about, appeared on TV, and all of a sudden has one of the greatest contract on earth. Yep. And fine, all that. But, you know. Acknowledge that. Acknowledge that. We that's, do that's no good point. for, quote, yes. our side if we pretend that this is all above board. Right. It is okay to say, mm, okay, well, she's cashing in. And, and leave it at that. I, I, I am not going to have some diatribe against her. I'm not going to bemoan this all over. You know, whatever. This is the world of politics. And um, it is not unusual for family members of presidents and vice presidents to uh, have career boosts because they are family members of presidents and vice presidents. Right. So this isn't some scandal, and I'm not calling for anything. I'm just saying, you know, it is okay to not be okay with this. Right. It is okay to point out that, okay, they're cashing in. Okay, Hunter Biden, yeah, he got his book deal because, put it this way, neither Hunter Biden nor Ella Emhoff would have either one of these deals if Biden had lost. Bottom line. Hunter might have, but Ella wouldn't have. It's all because, and I, and I also, this is a different thing, but, um, I completely supported the fashion industry, not giving Ivanka or Melania the time of day for four years. And I in, indulged mm -hmm. in that myself. We never featured them and we never will. But, um, when you run headlong into embracing the next administration and in this sort of way, when fashion is just ready it's like, all right, I'm I'm a Democrat. I'm on your side and everything. But boy, you are giving the other side so much ammunition. You're just right. It's so clear. It wasn't talked too much about it, uh, but um, you know, I, I I have eyes. I can see. I mean, if you look at all those ladies in the family, they were all wearing very very expensive brands. One of them was wearing a Valentino gown. Um, what dress. ladies in the uh, Biden family? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All these a lot of money spent on these clothes, and if they have the money, you know, fine. I'm not I'm not criticizing here, but I'm just pointing out that you know, fashion, very expensive fashion, <laughs> was presented when we criticize Ivanka or and exactly. for wearing very very expensive items. So it's just I'm just putting that out there. I'm not saying that they you know can't afford or whatever, but it's just a showy. Yeah, uh, um, just as not relatable. Well, when people would criticize uh, Melania for wearing something expensive, I was like, all right, well, what did you think? What did you think Michelle Obama's gowns cost? Right. Because they weren't cheap. Um, and I mean, it was the same thing. I remember when Hillary was campaigning, there would be articles about how much her jacket, like she wore some $5,000 jacket or something like that. And I'm not here to defend the wealthy, but I'm also like, well, I mean, she was a first lady. She was a secretary of state. And people in powerful positions who have money tend to wear expensive items. So I don't think it's any great scandal when high-ranking political figures are wearing expensive items. But um, like I say, going back to Ella Emhoff, I don't think this is any great scandal. And I wish her well on her career. 
But I also feel it is okay for people who are on this side of the aisle, people who support the Bidens and what they're doing, to note, okay, well, she did cash in. There's no shame in pointing that out. No, it's not the same thing as Ivanka having an office in the White House. Of course not. I'm not comparing it to that. Um, That was the height of corruption. This is more like, "Mm, you couldn't wait a month before this announcement? You couldn't wait three months before this announcement? That's it. That is, it is, I think people are, are red hot right now. They don't want to hear anything bad about, you know, the, and I haven't really nothing bad to say about the Bidens in terms of what they're doing and what terms of what this administration is doing. But um, I really hope I don't keep reading. I hope Cole Emhoff doesn't come out with some huge, <laughs> I don't know what, or or uh, Ashley Biden comes out with, I don't want to hear that. And I really hope that's not the case. I also know that this is a separate issue. Uh, Biden's brother is, there's all these issues about his law firm because he's basically cashing in on yeah, I'm the God. president's brother. And look, I get it. These things, everyone was like Billy beer because Jimmy Carter's brother had his own beer line 45 years ago or whatever. <laughs> and you know, Bill Clinton's brother was kind of a sleaze and I understand all of this. And I'm not saying this is some terrible thing. All I'm saying is it is okay to note that Ella Emhoff got this deal because of who she is. Right. And because they won and didn't lose. Um, that's all. It's it's. I just wanted to address it because I think people thought we were really angry about it. And I'm not. And uh, But it is kind of strange to me that um, this was just widely accepted. I'm like, oh, well, good for her, Ella Hemhoff. And I'm like, really? Because, I don't know, if Tiffany Trump got a modeling contract while Trump was in office, there would have been huge outcry over that. Huge, mm-hmm. huge. Or at least huge. a conversation about it. Uh, a more, I don't know. Uh, anyway. It wouldn't have stopped her. And no, I mean, right. that's not my point. I'm not asking for anyone to stop what they're doing. But, but like I said, it's okay. We just wanted to point it out. And, yeah. And, and, and then Twitter just exploded and came back, you know, yelling at us for even <laughs> mentioning it. And, you know, it is, it is, you know, the bigger picture here is that this is how things are. Um, now you, you famous, you get a contract, especially a, a modeling contract, because, you know, there's still this idea that you don't need to do anything but pose. Right. Um, you don't really have to have any other skill than, you know, your body. Um, so yeah, but anyway. All right. I know we're wrapping this up a little quicker than you wanted. So I'm going to throw a topic at you what? with no warning. What? Um, we have not really addressed this. Oh, dear. the sex in the city reboot. Oh my God! Um, unnecessary. I mean, what else? Completely is there to unnecessary. Say? I suspect it'll do okay for itself. Um, I didn't think the Will and Grace thing was a good idea, and that lasted for two or three more seasons. So we'll see. The Murphy Brown thing dropped out of sight. I don't love these revivals, and Sex in the City more than most was a franchise that really ran itself into the ground and did not need to be returned to. I think, but I, Sarah Jessica Parker, God bless her heart, um, she can't shake this role. She won't shake this role. She has spent every year since the last movie, which was, I think, about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. talking about it, talking about returning to it, it to right. the point where Kim Cattrall basically had to say, fuck off, bitch, I'm never doing it again. Like It had turned into this big thing because Sarah Jessica wouldn't let it go. Go ahead. Yeah, I think... The show was amazing. Uh, for uh, its time. Uh, for its time. It's very much of its time. And I uh, loved it. 
But then the movies came sucked. out. Sucked. And they all sucked. Every single one of them. They were horrible. They were absolutely horrible movies. There were no need to make movies. And, you know, you should have learned your lesson right there. Um, you know, the movies weren't great so let's just drop this and move on with our and i don't it, it's weird because actors in general they hate to be associated with just one not her oh my god not sarah just not Parker. sarah just well it's been uh, very lucrative for her she yes. has a whole shoe line she got a lot of endorsement contracts um i understand it to a certain extent but and she has i've said this before certain people got mad at us over the years when we used to say this but she has cultivated she has made herself largely inseparable from Carrie right, Bradshaw. Right, right. There is no daylight between them. Uh, they dress similarly. They personality-wise, they're very similar. Um, you know, we talked about her on this podcast the time that she called us because she didn't like something we wrote about herself about her. She has a history of defending the show when she, random people right, right, right. trash Carrie online, and she'll come into comments on Instagram and Twitter, and and def- so clearly she identifies very strongly with the role. And I don't begrudge anyone wanting to make money, but I I know we did briefly talk about this on the podcast where we said we have to be careful that there's no such thing as, of course, you can tell the stories of women in their mid-50s and their romantic lives and their sex lives. There's nothing weird about that. There's nothing off-putting about that. The Golden Girls did it 35 years ago. Um, but these characters, like, I don't, okay, so, and again, I think we said this on the podcast. Uh, one of them's going to wind up being a widow. You know that for a fact. There's no way they're all still going to be married. Mm. The, the three remaining. Uh, one of them's going to be a widow. One of them's going to be a div- divorced, probably. Uh, we talked about this: the fact that there are grown children involved. Right. I don't want to. I don't want that. Oh my god! We're going to. And then the idea teenager. of New York <laughs> that the show put forth. It was a very pre 9/11 version of New York City. Uh, it was all Magnolia Bakery and clubs opening and playground for the rich and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, that, I mean, New York's even more of a playground for the rich now. But I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm, I'm not sure I really. Oh, and th- that the reason I wanted to bring this up is because Carrie, um, Sarah Jessica Parker said this week that they're going yes. to be, quote, addressing COVID. Yes. yes. And that yes. to me is like, well, there you go. You guys did not even address 9-11 on the show, except in the most oblique way possible. But you're going to, dev- like, I don't want to, I don't want to see you, you ladies in your masks. And, and I have a feeling that it's just going to be the characters a few years later. Instead of really having these characters develop something, aging, and, you know, right. be, be what, these characters would really be Siri, Miranda's you know, a lesbian make her a lesbian right, right, right. I mean but th- my point is that they're not going to show these characters as they would be I don't know 30 years later 20 years later whatever right. they're just going to be the, their version looking older uh, I don't know because I don't know if you can get away with a Carrie Bradshaw with a walk-in shoe closet in 2022 right, so or whatever we'll like see. that's we'll see uh, that sort of c- consumption and, and right. love of wealth is not going to play all that well and if you're going to avoid that by, I don't know, having all of them lose their money or, or, or whatever, and yeah. they have to, no, I and they all have to live together in a house like the Golden Girls, that's not going to work either. Like, <laughs> again, you can tell the stories of middle-aged people, the romantic and sexual mm-hmm. sides of right. them. There, I have no problem with that, uh, you know, uh, stories of women in their 50s. Because the, there was a lot of nasty jokes about who's going to want to watch them having sex and blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's not the issue. It's that the characters as they were devised, they weren't realistic characters by any stretch of the imagination. They were all 
Um, there was Carrie, and then all the other characters were aspects of Carrie's personality right. blown up. Like right. Samantha was right, her right. sexual side, uh, Charlotte was her romantic yeah. side, and Miranda was her cynical side. And whenever Carrie had a problem, these this like Greek chorus of voices representing different points of view would all weigh in on the topic. And it was stylized without being stylized, I guess is the point. And... I don't think you can take characters who are that stylized, mm-hmm. who are that broad, and I don't think you can, you know, well, let's check in on them 20 years later. All right, well, then either you portray them in the same really broad manner, which will be kind of undignified for those actresses, or you take the characters to a point where it's like, well, this is not why we love those characters. I don't want to see Carrie struggling with widowhood. I don't want to see that. Right. Or... or I don't know, Charlotte um, going through a divorce. I don't want to see that. And more important than all, than any of it, I really don't want to see these three women without Samantha. That is the most unbalanced. Like, Samantha was the response to all three of them. She was the response to romanticism, the response to Carrie's practicality, and the response to uh, Miranda's cynicism. Without that, I think you lose the entire dynamic I of the agree. show changes. Maybe they'll bring some uh, someone else. I don't know <coughs> another actress. Um, I know people play. talked about Sharon Stone, but I mean, if you're going to bring Sharon Stone to play Samantha Jones, that might actually work. But if you bring in Sharon Stone to play some other character who looks and sounds like Samantha Jones, what's the point of that? That is so right. You know, cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch. You don't want to do that sort of thing. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, that's all. I, I we're agree. two gays. We loved that show. Oh my we, God, very I mean, much. Sunday Seriously. nights, all our girlfriends came and we drank wine and we watched every episode together. We would talk about it the next day. The exactly. Whole week. I remember my yeah. mother would call me up and talk about the latest episode. <laughs> um, so believe me, there's, we love the show and I can still quote it. I can yes, still quote we, entire we still scenes do. and yeah. episodes. If I'm flipping through channels and some and there's an episode on, I'll probably stop to see which one it is, but I can usually tell you which one it is within ten seconds. You show me an outfit and I'll tell you what episode they wore it I on. Know. I'm serious. I and I don't want to see this. I just don't want to see this. I do think there's a huge fan base still. Mm-hmm. So it probably will do okay, but I bet you the critics savage it. And I better As not see did. any Golden Globe yeah. nominations in a year for yeah. this. Anyway, this is us just rambling about a bunch of gay topics, fashion and sex in the city and the Golden Globe. So once again, thank you for listening to our cartoon voices. Yes, very much. And we'll be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks. Until then, be safe. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye.